Our reading today is taken from Mark's Gospel, um, chapter 1, um, and we're reading from the uh, verse 40 to 45, and you'll find that on your, in your church Bibles, uh, 1000, page 1003, or on the screen. <clears throat> a, man with <clears throat> a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a stern warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Thank you very much, Susan, for reading to us. I'd love you to have sight of Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 1 even, um, in the church Bible. So if you can get hold of that, that'd be good. In fact, I want to cheat, if I can, before we look at Mark chapter 1 and get you to look at Leviticus chapter 13. Uh, it's not often we get an opportunity to look at Leviticus, so now is your chance to do so. Leviticus chapter 13, which is page 114 in the Church Bibles. We have a, a service planning meeting on Tuesdays, and one of the members of the church team uh, said to me, how come we don't seem to have two readings as often as we used to? So that was a bit of gentle pressure to get back to pre-COVID standards of having two readings, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. We'll see if we can manage it a bit more often than we have done. I'm going to read a bit of Leviticus 13, then ask you to turn back to Mark chapter 1, uh, from verse 1, and then I'll skip towards the end of the chapter. This is as much as anything to give you something of the flavor of the background to uh, our little section about... Um, leprosy and the, the cleansing of the leper in Mark 1. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 1. I said page 113, did I? 113. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who's a priest the priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. Uh, and so on. Uh, let me turn you on to the, to the end of the chapter, various different presentations of that kind of uh, condition 
are analysed and the processes for examining them and uh, dealing with them. Let me read on from verse 38. When a man or a woman has white spots on the skin, the priest is to examine them, and if the spots are dull white, it is a harmless rash that has broken out on the skin. They are clean. A man who's lost his hair and his bald is clean. If he's lost his hair from the front of his scalp and has a bald forehead, he is clean. But if he has a reddish white sore on his bald head or forehead, it's a defiling disease breaking out on his head or forehead. The priest is to examine him, and if the swollen sore on his head or forehead is reddish white like a defiling skin disease, the man is diseased and is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him unclean because of the sore on his head. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Let me ask you to turn back to Mark chapter 1, if you can, and uh, I'm going to lead us in prayer with God's word open before us. Father, this is a a world that is alien to us in many ways. We pray that by your Spirit's working, you would bring your word home afresh to us. Help us to learn from it. Help us, more still, to hear your voice and to respond to you um, as you'd have us respond. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have good news for everybody today, and it's this. You are far worse than you think you are. Um, To most people, that probably sounds like bad news. Uh, We usually want to think things are okay, um, that we're fairly good, and we don't normally like it when somebody tells us something different. But, of course, in some situations, to discover you are worse than you think you are is actually good news. Imagine I'm uh, reluctant or refusing to see a doctor because I don't think the way I've been feeling, maybe I'm really tired or something, is is anything particularly to worry about. And then I do go to the doctor and I make that discovery that I'm worse than I thought I was. That could actually be good news if an accurate diagnosis opens the door to removing the problem. But you need the uncomfortable reality check first. And that is true in the spiritual realm as well, not just physically. When it comes to our standing with God, we need an accurate assessment, which may not always be what we want to hear. Uh, Not in a feel-good culture, which is as we are, I think often the case, where we want to be optimistic about how we are with God. If we find out, however, that we are worse than we think we are, that sin runs deeper than we ever imagined in our lives and in our personality, um, and that reality check opens up uh, our lives to God in a healthy way to deal radically with our sin, well, in that case, the unwelcome cold shower of reality may be good news. There's a guy called Phil Moore who's an evangelist, and he refers to what people um, 
what he calls the, the Simon Cowell moment. I may have to explain what that means. This is when the showbiz hopeful is auditioning on a show like um, X Factor. And they're trying to get on TV and they dream of emerging victorious from the final with a multi-million record deal and so on. You've probably seen the type of contestant in the early stages of the show who, who thinks they're fantastic, um, probably down to the amazing acoustics that they have inside the shower or something like that at their home. And then the Simon Cowell moment comes. And from Simon Cowell, there is a, a blunt, a withering review. Um, and really, he is the only person that matters in that setting, isn't he? Now, up to that moment, ignorance is bliss. But actually, reality, however uncomfortable, is better. It's better for the wannabe pop star and for everybody else. Um, So today, we're looking at an account where Jesus heals a leper. And I hasten to say Jesus is very different from Simon Cowell. But nonetheless, the episode is something of a reality check for us. Not because we are ever likely to get leprosy, but because leprosy is a picture in the Bible of our sin and the way that makes us unclean before God. Now, as soon as I say that, we're left feeling, aren't we? Wow, the verdict the Bible places on us is far worse than we think we are. Let me read from chapter 1, verse 40. Please follow along if you've got a a Bible inside of you. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You've got to imagine the scene a bit. A man is ringing a bell. He's shouting out, as we read in Leviticus 13, unclean, unclean. And suddenly, the crowds around Jesus are scattering. Mothers are clutching children to their sides as this repulsive creature passes. So up until this point, Jesus is always being jostled. Now the crowd around him is dispersing. It must have been something like that. Because for a start, leprosy looked unpleasant as the ulcers and nodules and deformed bones disfigured the body. On top of that, it was considered highly contagious and therefore a hazard to others. And to crown it all... It made you ceremonially unclean. So if anybody had any contact with you, they were immediately defiled as well and had to be quarantined off from normal social intercourse. And that, biblically, is an image to describe all of us, made unclean by our sin, far worse than we think we are, corrupted more deeply and more seriously than we like to think. Even after we've received the Holy Spirit, the effects of our sin are still there. I often find myself saying to people who are having trouble in their marriage, the problem in this marriage, as in every marriage, is that there are two sinful people in the marriage, which, of course, we rarely see clearly if we're in the thick of it. We can locate the disfiguring effect of sin in other people easily enough. We don't find that hard, do we? But we are blind to it in ourselves. Of course, in many marriages, there is one person who, for whatever reason, leads the way in sinful behavior. 
perhaps even abusive behavior. I'm not trying to minimize that and that imbalance there often is. But because we are sinful people, when we're sinned against, we will ourselves often respond sinfully in turn. So there are always two sinful people in every marriage. And if I always locate the problems out there and never in here, I'm much further from the truth than I might imagine. We hate to imagine, this is a similar example, that we bring our own sin to every relationship problem, uh, not just in our family, maybe in church life as well. I contribute something to every breakdown in relationship on a human level, let alone when it comes to relating to Almighty God. So for the Bible to hold up a mirror to us by showing us our sin and disfigurement in such ugly terms as leprosy, that may be very hard to take, except that it is good news if there's somebody who can deal with our uncleanness. And that, it seems to me, is the good news of this passage of the Bible. Jesus can handle it. So, in fact, I sold you short in my introduction. You and I are far worse than we think, but far more deeply loved than we can dare imagine as well. And I want, therefore, just in my remaining time, to point you to the character of Jesus Christ here, and I hope, therefore, we'll be leaving encouraged by what good news this passage of the Bible is for us all. Perhaps the first note on Jesus' character in verse 41 was unexpected to you. Um, Verse 41, I think it adds poignancy to the whole account. Verse 41, Jesus was indignant. Uh, That is not what you might expect if you've bought into the sort of decaf Jesus, a Jesus who's had all emotion taken out of him. He's not very British, Jesus. We Brits, we almost pride ourselves on our absence of emotion. My wife, Susu, is American, and she chuckles about the way when Brits are offered second helpings at a meal, they politely refuse. Oh, oh no, I couldn't possibly. And they do that once. Um, They do it a second time, twice. And then maybe the third time they say, "Oh, oh, go on then, just a bit which was what they wanted all along, of course. So culturally, we can't even show enthusiasm about a second helping. We are not given Brits to displays of emotion. But Jesus was a real flesh-and-blood human being with definite emotional responses to all the different human situations that he encountered. Indignant, it says here. In other words... It hit him in the pit of the stomach when he encountered this disfigured, alienated, outcast leper. He felt it viscerally. This should not be. And then he reached out across the divide. This is verse 41b. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Almost sounds like Jesus had to reach out because instinctively the lepers got used to recoiling from human contact over the years. So we are wrong, wrong, wrong if we think of Jesus as pretty cool and detached, 
speaking rather like a robot. I am willing. This is a week, isn't it, where artificial intelligence has been in the news. I wonder if I'm allowed to tell you about my first meeting last week with a robot hoover. This hoover talked, but I don't expect it felt much emotion as it bumped around my friend's kitchen. Well, Jesus was different. No robot about him. He had a heart filled with indignation and compassion. He reached across the distance, perhaps, I guess, the first touch that the leper had had from another human being in years and years. I am willing. Be clean. And verse 42, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I know most people here, we have lots of pranks in our family. Most people here, I imagine, are well beyond childish pranks. But if you aren't, you will know that you can have hours of fun because salt and sugar look similar. So you only have to put a a small bit of salt in some sugar and it affects the taste completely. It defiles it. It doesn't work like that in reverse. A small bit of sugar cannot sweeten a bowl of salt, or not noticeably anyway. And everything here tells us to expect, or everything in what we know of leprosy from Leviticus 13 and elsewhere, tells us to expect that, yeah, a little brief contact with leprosy should defile Jesus. Normally a clean person touching a leper doesn't sweeten them at all. But in this case... All the normal rules get reversed. Instead of defilement flowing from the leper to Jesus, cleansing flows from Jesus to the leper. And that is completely unheard of. Actually, the next surprise in the story is that Jesus actually wants it to stay unheard of. The man isn't supposed to broadcast what's happened, presumably so that the crowds won't mob Jesus for all the wrong reasons. So verse 43, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning, which is a bit of a a decaf Jesus translation there. Literally, it's with a roar, real emotion again. See to it that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Why do you think there was that emotion as Jesus gives that command. Well, think back to the reading in Leviticus. The priests were like the quarantine officers under Israelite law. So it's a kindness to the healed leper for Jesus to send him to the priests. Unless he gets their health certificate, he can't be reintegrated back into society. But I think there's more going on because... Every priest knew that faced with leprosy, the best they could ever do is just diagnose or certify healing. They cannot do what Jesus appears to have done. So you can imagine the scene. The man who's got cleansed by Jesus goes and and knocks on the priest's door. Um, What are you doing here? Get away, says the priest, shutting the door. No, 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 wait a second, says the leper. You see, I'm clean. Jesus has made me clean. And there's an astonished look on both their faces. Maybe the penny drops, 
As the priest remembers that in all of the Old Testament, there were only ever two people who were cured of leprosy, Moses' sister Miriam and a foreign soldier, Naaman. And in both cases, they were only healed by God's direct personal intervention. So testimony to the priest is this. Jesus is doing things only God can do. But it's a beautiful insight into the character of God. Can I ask you to stop for a second on Jesus' answer to the question, are you willing? I am willing, he says. That is so gracious, especially as we already thought when you recognize that leprosy is a picture in the Bible of the spiritual condition we're in, our sin. Like leprosy, sin is a fast-spreading, fatal disease which leaves us unclean before God. We ought to be quarantined off from God. In rugby parlance, we should be in the sin bin. But is God willing to come close to us? Answer, yes, he is. It's never in question. Does God want a relationship with you and me? Does he want to reach out and touch our lives? Because he might very well recoil from us in disgust, but he doesn't. He longs, as it were, to get his hands on us. There was a moment in the wedding we had in church yesterday where I said to Derek, the bridegroom, Derek, will you take Valerie to be your wife? Will you love her, comfort her, honor and protect her, and forsaking all others, be faithful to her as long as you both shall live? He answered, I will. In fact, he was so enthusiastic, he said, I will before I finish the question. It was right in there. But it's not usually a moment of great suspense in a wedding. Will he or won't he? What's he going to say? Maybe there have been exceptions. In fact, there was one groom who was faced by a rather formidable young lady, and all he could come up with in answer to the question was, I wilt, got stuck in an old language. But by and large, there's never any doubt, I will. When God is asked the question, will you take the human race? to cleanse them and restore them to yourself. His answer resounds down the centuries. I will. No hesitation. I am willing. The only question is whether we'll acknowledge that we have a problem. And then will we actually fall down before Jesus like the leper and ask him? God is willing. And that surely is good news, really good news, We are much more deeply disfigured than we imagine, but more deeply loved than we dare to hope, and by someone who can do something about it, dealing with sin by dying for our sin, as Jesus went on to do. Did you notice the little footnote in the episode? The leper knew what had happened to him was good news, and he told everyone he could about it in direct disobedience to the command that Jesus had roared at him. Verse 45, instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Don't tell anyone, just the priests. So he told anyone and everyone. Result, this is interesting. I don't know if you spotted this as it was read. Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside 
in lonely places. Just a little picture of what happened at the cross when Jesus died for our sins. He, by contact with us in dealing with our leprosy, our sin, was himself isolated and cut off out in the desert, as it were, the lonely places because of our sin. Uh, A wonderful little pointer in microcosm, if you like, to what would happen uh, is going on in this story of Jesus and the leper. The leper's been out in the lonely places. Now Jesus is forced by his contact with the leper to go out into the lonely places. I wonder if that little hint of what would happen at the cross is being implied there. So he's disobedient to Jesus, and at the very least it's inconvenient for Jesus. But I suppose it's understandable, given what had happened to him. He knew he'd experienced something amazing, and so he spoke about it. Now, we aren't commanded to keep quiet the good news of what Jesus has done for us, rather the opposite. So let me finish up this morning with two points of application. The first is this, contact with the outsider. That's shorthand, I'd better explain what I'm talking about. I'm taking it from the example of Jesus Christ, reaching out with his hand across the divide to touch the leper, a picture of humanity in sin, alienated from God. Don't we need to take that example on board? Especially now, after the isolation and the social distancing that affected our relationships with COVID. This is not just a a point to be made in All Saints Little Shelford. I think it's pretty much universally uh, noticed up and down the country in churches. We've had all sorts of isolation in our relationships that makes it harder for us to be friendly and welcoming to those that aren't normally with us in church on Sundays. Um, COVID had a double impact, if you think about it, because when it ended, we had to work hard to recapture family relationships, which had been on hold, and so we became busier on that front. Um, Workplaces began to demand a slightly bigger slice of our our time than they'd been able to ask for before, so that was uh, harder as well. The impact is we became busier, and potentially with less time for investing in relationships with people who aren't yet Christians. So I'm asking myself to inventory my time for real up-close contact with people who as yet are still cut off from God and, in the Bible's diagnosis of us, on the road to eternity without him. We're laying on a, a course starting this Tuesday called Big Questions, uh, looking at some of the questions that people might have about um, the possibility of uh, there being a God, why all the fuss about Jesus, and so on. Can we take the Bible seriously today? They're good questions to give people a chance to discuss, and I guess any question is um, allowable in a course like that. It's great to have courses, isn't it? Courses are good and necessary, but without contact first who's going to come come and see as a strategy for outreach for Christians really is no longer adequate we relied on it for far too long Christmas remembrance 
Come and see. Instead of come and see, we need go and tell. We've got to be in touch with outsiders on their turf. I'm going um, right outside my comfort zone in a few weeks' time. I'm going to a gig in a pub. Let me ask, have you got plans to make contact with somebody who wouldn't come to church? Contact with the outsider. Could it be that we hold back from that kind of contact or from talking about Jesus simply because we haven't really appreciated the good news of his wonderful compassion, his power to make all the difference in our lives. And we haven't really appreciated the good news because we never really saw how bad the bad news of our situation was. So as well as contact with the outside, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself to go for contact with the great insider, by which I mean Jesus, the one who came from God bringing God's grace and compassion to us. The one who died, who took the loneliness, the abandonment from God to break the power of the disease of sin. On a gift day, it seems to me that that love is what we must emphasize, not our love for him. That gift to us, not our gifts given for his work. Therefore, I want to ask, will you make time for contact with the great insider, with Jesus Christ, in all his compassion and power to heal today? However bad our situation is, and it's far worse than we think, we are not beyond his amazing power and love if we'll only welcome contact with him. Let's pray together. And we thank you, Lord, for preserving this uh, wonderful picture of the compassion and mercy and power of the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he reaches out to us today and says, as it were, I am willing. And we pray that that compassion, that heartfelt compassion, would reach right into the depths of our sin and need for each one of us here, And through us to others, we pray, to the honor and glory of our great Savior, Jesus Christ, we ask it in his name. Amen.